0: Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word.
1: Well, I hope your disposition this morning is in the front row, even if you're in the back row. What I mean by that is we come with an expectation to receive from the Lord. It has everything to do with how we position ourselves. When we come into the house of God this morning in in pre-service prayer, in the, the we're in the vision season, uh, Josh and Rihanna were talking about setting our disposition after the things of God and coming prepared to receive. And that means that we've already gotten ourselves stirred up, gotten ourselves into an attitude of faith. You know, when you do that, you'll get a a lot more out of the things that the Lord's bringing. You know, I, I don't claim to be the most inspirational person in the world, but I carry about in my, in my spiritual money bag, God's, God's really his, his word to his people. I call it revelation. Scripture calls it revelation knowledge, but it's only revelation when we get it. So really what I carry about is what he calls the seed, precious seed of God's word. It becomes revelation when we receive it into our heart soil. And we say, I don't know what I'm going to do with that right now, but I'm going to accept it. And I'm going to let God begin to work in me to will and to do his good pleasure. That means we've got to have an attitude that's willing and a desire to do what we just heard. Without that, no harvest comes. When we don't will to do it, frustration ends up being the result or we just ignore the fact that we ever heard it in the first place. So I want you to protect what is God's investment in you and your investment in coming into the house of God. Because as you hear the word, we we, we know Jesus taught it can profit us nothing unless we have the, the will to do it. Now, when we determine we have the will, the Holy Spirit then becomes our helper because without being willing, we'll not be obedient. When you were were saved into the kingdom of God, when you were caught on the hook of the gospel, somebody set the net or set the hook to bring you into the kingdom. Somehow, somebody baited your life with the goodness of God. And you made a, a choice to take that. God wants you to be that person for others. We're talking about vision in this season, and I'm kind of going back and forth between vision points, bringing out a piece of vision like we did with the, the missions piece and then going to what the scripture says to prepare our heart to line up with God's vision. There's two ways that that Christians adopt vision. One is from what I call what the scripture defines as an unrenewed mind. It means we don't really understand the way the kingdom works, so we invite God into a little bit of our life, a little bit at a time. That's one way that people experience, Christians experience, making Jesus their Lord. As we let him in piece by piece as it suits us or as it makes sense to us. Sadly, that's how a lot of Christians do it. Bringing God into only the pieces of life, they're willing to surrender to him. We live in a generation that has embraced that as a picture of what lordship looks like. When in my day, the preachers would preach, if Jesus isn't Lord of everything, he's Lord of nothing. Well, I, I would tend to say that, that uh, the truth lies in a balance in between. As soon as God reveals to you something he wants to be Lord of, it's on you. So whenever we talk about vision, we can decide to let God be Lord of our life or just pieces So when I share vision points as a church, not everybody's going to want to hook up with everything. Some people will. Some people will flat out say, I live to bring pleasure to my master. That's what complete lordship is. When we understand what the scripture means by making Jesus Lord is I give you my life so that it will and I will fit into your plan. I lay down what remains of my plan. That's a harder place. That's a more dedicated vessel. That means, God, I, whatever I have thought my life to be, I'm going to submit it to you now. That sounds easier than it is. Because we live in a world that caters to the other kind. Well, it's okay if you want to believe God in this, but you better not try it in this. And I see Christians making value choices based on the information in their head or the information they read online as to what's logical. Well, how are you going to make a living if you put God first? He says, these things will follow after you. That's trust. That's a great trust. Well, how are you going to keep your family together if you're always doing stuff for the Lord? That's great trust because he says he must be first. And we've talked about that vision point. But the renewed mind says, God, I I see in your word you want my life to look like this. So I'm going to become willing, and you're going to help me be obedient. The Holy Spirit doesn't help our willingness. He helps our obedience. God gave us a free will, and that part belongs to us. When we want the Holy Spirit's help and we don't get it, it's because there's a willingness issue. Because he empowers us in the obedience once we become willing. That's one of the strongest lessons of lordship to understand. Isaiah said in the Old Testament, it's the the willing and obedient that will eat the good of the land. We've talked about so far, vision points, coming out of the, the world culture, coming out of Egypt. And coming up to the kingdom of God and coming into a new standard of living. We've talked about breaking camp with the old lifestyle and the things that have held us back and moving forward in the plan of God with the people of God. We need each other in that application. We've talked about how we are, we're called to change the world and we we do missions work because we're called to go. Disciples are called to go. One of the indications of being a disciple is we do something disciples do. So when I look at the scripture and I think about what what the church is about, church folks come to church to learn how to be disciples. And then we either embrace it in the doing or we're just a hearer in that part. And everybody gets to choose. The the, the beauty of being in in our nation, the beauty of being in our church is nobody going to make you do anything. But I am going to do the best to show you what the word says for you to pick from to define what kind of disciple you want to be. And what I do is step back and respect that there's this, this relationship between the Holy Spirit or Jesus Spirit living in you and you. And that's where you make your decisions. Not based on what I say. I learned a long time ago people won't always do what the pastor preaches even if it's the word of the Lord from the scripture. People get to choose, am I willing? And when they're not, they'll never be obedient. But when we become willing It's amazing how the Holy Spirit comes in and makes obedience easier. Why, he's our helper in that. This is not to be hard on you. This is God's way of saying, let me give you the easy route. Put the kingdom first and I'll cause things to come to you instead of you chasing things. Well, you'll never get to know about that unless you step out and trust God in that. That's the life of faith. As we begin today, we're we're, we're talking today about uh, one of the hallmarks of being Jesus' disciple. One of the important things that, that God wants our church to become better and better at is becoming fishers of men. When I consider that, I look at the scriptures. What did Jesus teach? What did Jesus say? Because that's a phrase that he used. Because it was a phrase that would become the the hallmark, the the key ministry, the leading piece in the New Testament church. Would be becoming fishers of men where God was literally saying, the future of who comes into the kingdom is up to you. But God, I don't want that responsibility. (laughs) Then you can't be his disciple. So you see, the, the the bottom line is, there should always be this knowing and this gnawing that it takes something, a dedication, to be Jesus' disciple. One of the things I can say about our church, it will continue to be a teaching church. A teaching church is an equipping church. An equipping church is getting people prepared, giving them the tools necessary to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is to grow his family, God's family, by growing and establishing his church. That's what a disciple does. They establish the kingdom of God in the earth through the vehicle that Jesus set in motion called the church. And we have to do it his way. And the way that we become involved is we become willing I don't know about you, but I've become willing before and been asked to do things that I have never done before. And I had to choose to be obedient to do them instead of saying, Well, that doesn't suit me. What else can I do? Soul winning is like that. We we, we can all think, well, I'm not well suited to that. Well, when you come into the kingdom of God, you're a fish out of water. You've got to get used to what it is to be a new creation. A new creation is able to breathe the air that we live in spiritually. What that means is we become transformed to be more like Jesus, and we recognize the old me couldn't have done this. But I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me because now he's living in me. And that changes our nature as we become willing. Then we have this terrible, uncomfortable moment. And and I think of fishing today because that's the theme There have been many times I've imagined being the fish that I'm catching. And how does he feel when his head breaks water and he sees the dude responsible for the pain in his mouth and the fear shooting through his veins It makes him shake? What is it to think like that fish? When you come into the kingdom of God, you're going to have moments like that. Well, you're breaking rank with an old environment that was comfortable. And you were slick to maneuver in it. You got good at it through some some maneuvering. But you came up and suddenly you're in a new environment where nothing seems to fit you right. That's when we take our first breath in spiritual things. And we say, God, this is obviously not about me. I'm uncomfortable. This is about you. Being Jesus' disciple will keep you feeling uncomfortable in yourself and you'll find solace and satisfaction in him. Jesus preached that. Well, we want to look at uh, the passage for the day is Matthew 4.19. And I don't know, I came up with teachers that said you always have to have a golden text. So this is it for today. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We don't become that without following Jesus. Jesus. So we want to today look at what did he do? What did he teach? What did he demonstrate? What ways did he tell us we can win people into the kingdom? I've been fishing in a lot of different settings, a lot of different ways. It's one of the things that I enjoy well enough that if I gave myself to it, it would become a, a big life thing to do more and more and more. I've never given myself to it that much. Well, I've learned to keep some things in check. So today, as I talk about it, don't think I spend hours and hours and days and days and weeks fishing. I do not. The cumulative fishing time in my life would add up to maybe a couple hundred hours, I'm guessing. But I've enjoyed them when I've been out there. And there have been different applications. So as I look at the Word, I, I, I think of many things. I think about what, what is the, the technique, what is it that I need to know how to do as a believer? What is it that I need to know as the fish and thinking as the fish? But more important than all of that is, who is this all for? This is not for me. This is not for me targeting the people I want to catch. I'm on assignment for the master. As a church, I think of the method that a church is to use. You know, when I was a child, churches were kind of being used for, that's the stage to get everybody saved. Bring all your unsaved friends to church. Well, that's pretty hard to do anymore. Why? Sinners don't like to go to church. You got quiet. You should have been happier in church this morning. Why puts you in another category? See? (laughs) But it it, it used to be uh, that there'd always be a salvation altar call. I'm not against that. But how many, how many unsaved fish do you bring to church? See, it's not where fish want to go. Why it's a different atmosphere, it's uncomfortable. I remember as a kid, first time I went to full gospel church, I'd been in other kind of churches. I got in that kind of church and said, what are they doing? What's that language? Why are they lifting their hand when they're singing? Why are they singing loud and moving all around? You know, it just why well, is different. Why are they excited about offering? I mean, think what in the world? What's what's got into these people? And I wasn't very old, to I was questioning all that. Why do the preachers they get, the preachers get up there and they get all animated and excited? You'd th- you, you think that they're, they're really, truly excited about this. Why are they acting like that? Well, they were in a natural element, and I was the fish out of my element. And we've all had moments like that in life to relate to. So today, as I, I share, I want you to, to grab, there's several messages all in one. But the most important thing is, this is why. We are here. Right. This is why the church exists. Is The church exists to equip people to do the work of the ministry. Now, we're going to look at the methods that Jesus suggested because there, there are three distinct ways he told us where, where to go after people. John 21, verses 6 through 13, and I've I've summed this up because my rule is if I fit it on one page, you get done before noon. If I don't, we'll just keep going a long time, so... Uh, I've shortened things up to fit it on one page. That's why I do it that way. But the first that that I want to point out is casting and drawing the net at Jesus' command. You can't do that by yourself very well. If you're going to cast a net by yourself, it'll be a little one so that you can pull in whatever you catch. But this is a primary way that the body of Christ, groups of people, work together to win people into the kingdom. Now, there's a command of the Lord Jesus in in doing this. We're commanded to win people. We're commanded to go to other nations and win people. We're commanded to go into our workplace and win people. We're commanded to do some things that the earth makes difficult or other people can make difficult. But nonetheless, he commanded it. And Jesus said unto them, he's talking to disciples who are on the boat, who are disappointed in their outcome, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. He told them to cast the net. He commanded them to do it. Now they could have said no. They argued a little bit, said, Lord, we've been out here all night. We're not catching any fish. And he said to them, nevertheless. In other words, whenever we make uh, an excuse to God of not being a part of throwing in the net, They'll say, whatever you want to say, you can say it. I'm not changing my mind. So I read this and I say, okay, whenever the church is doing an outreach, I'm a part of that. Because he said, nevertheless, and I shall find. And the other disciples came in a little ship. There were two ships. There was the big ship that God was moving on and the little ship allowed to join in later and become a part of the, 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 the fishing, become a part of it. The other disciples came in another little ship, also dragging the net with fishes. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153. said, so "Why does it say 153?" Because that's the number of completion in human terms. It's an important number in the Bible. Jesus is sending a message that there is a set number of people that are to come into the kingdom. And if he said, nevertheless, to the whole group, it meant everybody had something to do with the total number coming in. So today you might say, well, I don't personally feel like I'm called to win people. Well, you are, you're just not awake to it yet, or or not willing, willingness hadn't hit you yet. But the, the best way we become willing to do single work in winning a fish or winning a person is to be a part of a group doing it. Be a part of casting the net and finding the fish. Literally, it means the fish will find the net is what this really means. So God had spoken to. He had somehow commanded his creation to swim into the net if men would obey God. See, I think of soul winning that way. When we're doing something as a church, God's got people in mind. We don't need to look at the water and say, where are the people? We just need to cast the net. And he says, the the, the fish will find the net. Why? He's drawing people into his kingdom. It isn't just about us taking right action. It's about God speaking to people. It's about God stirring hearts of men toward him. And we've got to give God the credit because he's the one that draws people. We just cast the net. Say, well, that hardly seems fair. Uh, This world is not fair. But what does God do? He puts it in the hearts of people to want to come into the kingdom. And that seed may have been planted a long, long time ago. Many times a fish will take the bait off a hook and get away before they ever get caught. I I like the sovereignty of God. He thinks thinks sometimes we're going to fox him on something. That's when he casts a really big net and we don't even see the net coming. You might have come into the kingdom like that where you don't know how in the world you even got caught. That's how. Now, this 153 fish, and there were so many, yet the net was not broken. This is a picture of corporate effort. This is a picture of God asking the church, asking the body of Christ to go through the motions of being willing and obedient to win people in any way that Jesus commands. Jesus did it a little different from time to time, but had a lot to do with casting a net. From time to time, people argued in the scripture about, well, Jesus, you know, uh, you, you want us to do what? He just said, this is what I want you to do. And they chose to believe him because they saw with Jesus, willingness always caused blessing to come. Understand that if you're praying for something that hasn't happened, go back and question, am I missing willingness somewhere? Because when when we choose to be willing, the Holy Spirit comes alongside. I want you to understand, I've heard people pray for years, "Ah, I'm going to call him alongside. He comes alongside to do the will of God. He doesn't come alongside to do whatever we say. He comes alongside to do whatever we say that lines up with the will of God. And that's how he joins himself to us. So when we're not seeing God move in a place we're praying in our life, we need to go back to the willingness place. And say, God, is this more about you or more about me? Because he's always going to be first place when it comes to his will. He wants that and expects that. But there's a corporate effort with resources and with people that is as directed by the Lord. We do some things like that around here and people choose to participate or not. The outreach meal is one of them. Either it can be you come and eat and you give money toward a good cause or you do that or don't do that. Some people come and take a meal, pay for a meal to take out or take a freebie out to somebody that they're wanting to reach. But the idea is, the whole idea is not to feed the church, but for the church to go out it it's just a, a way to approach somebody that you've had on your heart. Now, not everybody wants to participate in that. Uh, more times than not, I'm asked, well, pastor, who all do you want us to reach? And I kind of throw up my hands and say, well, huh, this is for the church. It's because pastor needs another vehicle to win people. I, I'm on that game all the time. That's what my conversations are about when I'm out in public. But rather, who do you know that pastor may not know? That something's going on in their life. They're at home sick or they're discouraged or something happened to them. And you just want a way, you know, people like to stop it. Let me show the love of Jesus. Well, you can show, but you better tell. Because there's a telling. It's God's word that's the seed for eternal life, not, not going and showing. Showing love is not enough. It can be a doorway. But the doorway into the kingdom is Jesus himself, not you loving people. And we have to include Jesus or we're not bringing him into any kingdom of God. So many times people have a a good effort, but they forget they've got to introduce the door. And the door is Jesus. The door is is always going to be the same. Now, when we're considering some new things, there are some new things I'll I'll toss out there. Not as vision points because I, I say this. Vision is not short in the church. Pastor hesitates to share vision sometimes. Why? I want to find out what what are people willing to do, because if we're not willing to do it, there's no need to step out and try to, to force obedience. I'm not about that. I don't like to make anybody do anything. This church exists because of, of the people who want to do something for the Lord, make themselves available to help equip others to do more for the Lord, and that's how we exist. And some people come to church year after year and they're more takers than givers. But I pray continually, Lord, that there, let there be more who are willing to come and give into the picture than just taking. Because evidence of lordship is the, the, the scale flips. And so many times I see people praying, God, fix my life so I can be in that half. No, you give him your life and he'll move you into that half. It doesn't happen the other way. So many times people try to make lots of good decisions so that they can serve the Lord better. No, you consecrate to him, make a commitment to him. Lord, I lay down my life before you and you might have to give some things up. Then he moves you into a position. Why? He requires that we make an offering first. Not always money. In fact, money is an outflow of something happening in our heart. So what is it in our heart? For example, Lucinda and I made a quality decision years ago when we moved home. Lord, here we are again. Everything we own and everything we are and everything in our future belongs to you. We're going to lay it down and die to the past and give this to you as a future. That was not a natural thing to do. That's a fish jumping out of water saying, I can't shake this hook out of my mouth, so I just might as well give in. You know, eventually the fish just kind of rolls sideways in the water and you reel him in. You're going to have a moment like that. Why, that's that's just what it is to be in this world, wanting to serve a God who is more than this world. There's moments of discomfort whenever we experience the Lordship of Jesus. For many of you, to to win a person to the Lord in your lifetime, you think, will I ever be able to do it? It's a choice. It's a choice of saying, Lord, am I going to give in to that and become a part of that or not? I'm going to encourage you to give in to that because it changes your outlook on everything. Now, we're talking about a corporate effort. Uh, you know, we do, the, we do the outreach meal. Something I'm considering doing is, is from the food pantry working a senior meal and doing it once a month and opening up the building for seniors to come. Well, I'd like to do something for seniors. I don't know if that's necessarily it, but that looks easy enough to me. What does it mean? Two people cooking a meal and three or four more serving and visiting with the people and loving on the people and open it up to anybody that wants to come, but publishing it in the little towns around here. Why? Just as a means to be able to grow relationship with people. Why? Uh, You'll you'll catch more fish if they like you. Come on now. That's how it is. Now... Trying to read my tiny little print. Another thing we're talking about, and this to some of you will seem far fetched, but I've been talking about is, is doing a, a Saturday evening service that's an outreach service. The prerequisites, everything would be done in Spanish. So, it does a lot of things. Why? Uh, we have a whole population of folks on our doorstep looking for a place to fellowship. And I have a heart for them. Why? Uh, there are people wanting to hear the gospel out there. And I believe there are many in that rank say, well, why would God single somebody out? Because he's in charge. <laughs> he's just in charge. And and uh, when I mentioned this to a few folks, they're like, yeah, Pastor, we need to do it. Well, that's great, but where are the sustainers? See, we don't want to step out and do something without counting the cost. Will that be resources? Well, who gets to come? Well, you're going to have to learn the language and speak Spanish if you're going to come be a part of that. Why? We're not going to interpret back into English. Why? It's not for that. Now, what is that? It's a way to embrace people who are looking for a place to belong. But our church proper, still Sunday morning, is going to be the main service of discipleship and equipping. But what do we do with all that discipleship and equipping? When we don't put church people to work doing outreach for the Lord, they fall away. That's what happens. Why? We were made for his purpose. So that's just, am I saying it's going to happen? No, I'm not in charge of it happening. You are. I'm just... Throwing out some ideas. Why? I know what the Holy Spirit shows me down on the inside. I've learned to trust His voice. I know what comes from Him, and I know what comes from my own head. And that didn't come out of my own head. I don't need more to do. You do. Thank you for laughing, some of you. Thank you, because I know you're thinking, "Okay, Pastor, whatever you say, we're going to laugh and be with you." You don't. Yes, I do know how busy your life is. That's why we listen. Lord, what is it you want from me? Because a lot of what we're doing, thinking that it's for him, isn't so much from him. It's our own invention because it fits our life well. Now, there's a second way. Targeting a particular fish for kingdom purposes. Do you know the Lord will do that? Some of you came into the kingdom because somebody targeted you. That there's a big fish in that pond. I'm going to get him. And they studied you a little bit. And they decided how to catch you and bring you into the kingdom. Say, really, Pastor? Yeah, Jesus himself taught this. This is Matthew 27, beginning in verse 24. Tax collectors had come to the disciples and they were asking for money to pay tribute or taxes. And the disciples were getting kind of worked up, and Peter came to Jesus and said, "Jesus, what are we supposed to do about this? They want tax money. Do you want us to pay it or not?" And Jesus said, "Yeah, we're going to have to we're going to have to give them what they want. We'll get them off our backs. We'll satisfy what they need." But then he did it in an unconventional way. They had a money bag. They had a treasure. I believe they could have dipped into those funds, but instead, Jesus sent him out to catch a fish. Particularly Peter, who knew some things about fishing. The disciples knew about that. But this is what Jesus said. They said first to Peter, don't, doesn't your master pay tribute? And he said, yes. And Jesus said, just so we don't offend them, go down to the sea and cast one hook and take up the fish that first comes up And when you've opened his mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it unto them for me and for you. Jesus sent Peter after one fish. Peter could have said, how will I recognize the fish? Jesus said, the fish will bite on your hook. The first one that does bring him up. He didn't say the fish would jump up and spit the gold out. You'd have to reach in and take it. say, Pastor, what does it have to do with anything? God brings people into the kingdom for what he has hidden in their heart. And you have something to do with that. I've learned that people many times don't recognize any quality of God in their life. But when you do and you have the word of the Lord on it, When they come up into the strange atmosphere of the kingdom of God, you can say to them, you have a value in you. Let's see what it is. Open your mouth. What do you do? You listen to what comes out of their mouth. What what is it that they're willing to say? Or what is it they're willing to tell you? Or, you know, what is it that God put in there? See, people could interpret this and say, well, God's after fish to get their money. That wasn't the fish's money. It had the picture of Caesar on it. It, it, it didn't have the, 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 the picture of a fish. See, so there's a picture of stewardship too. Our life is hid with Christ in God. When we come into the kingdom, we find out who it is we really are and what it is he put us here to do. One of the most uncanny things is what Colossians 3 says, your life is hid with Christ in God. That means there's something on the inside of you. I've learned that people love it when you see what's good in them. And you bring it out. That's a universal thing. God put in people. A desire to be affirmed because of something God put in there in the first place that they maybe have never seen before known before. So the Holy Spirit gives us instructions. And and fish then can meet the kingdom's purposes. I've had this happen innumerable times where when, when I'm praying to share a specific witness... I know there's times the Holy Spirit will speak to me, and I'll just say it the way he says it, to go after this one or that one. Why? Because some of us have practiced angling to win certain kinds of fish. There are certain kinds of people with certain interests that I can tend to catch. I know how to bait for them. There's certain kind of people that I listen to their conversation, and I know what it is they want to talk about because they're baiting me to talk about it. So I think, okay, I can talk with you about that. I can enter that arena with you. But I'm going to put a hook on my worm, (laughs) whatever we're talking about. My my desire is to not have conversation about the kingdom they're in, but the kingdom that's been promised to them. My desire is to begin to, to reel them in to experience seeing what it is to be in the kingdom of God. And I've learned something. And I've watched this happen with fish. You get the really big ones. Uh, we used to go out on Lake Michigan or out in the ocean to catch bigger fish. To do that, there's, all, there's a moment out in the ocean where you've seen the big sailfish jump up. Guatemala is the sailfish capital of the world, so I will do that in Guatemala eventually. I will get that done in Guatemala. But those fish come up out of the water to discern, is what's got me hooked going to get me or not? And they shake their head and they look for where that line is connected to And they make eye contact with the person no matter how far away. And they make a determination. Has he got me or am I getting him? understand that people are like that. When they see the kingdom of God in you for what it really is, if they're seeing Jesus when they look at you, they're going to give. But if they're seeing you instead of Jesus, they're going to fight. Many times when you're you're working with people, recognize you're you're asking them to come into a strange environment, where well, they don't feel at home. I I think people experience this when they're invited to church. They've never really been in church. They want to know what's in, in what what's in that place before they get over there. You know who goes to church there? Who's you know what what are you gonna tell me? What the service looks like? You stay and eat afterward, well, I don't know, I want to do that, then I have to talk to people. <laughs> or what you know and people are looking for, how can I get a glimpse into the new environment? How can I get a glimpse into the things of God without being fully committed? That's a hard place. Why? Jesus is about bringing people into the kingdom. That's what we're about. What do you, you be patient with that fish? I've learned, and sometimes the, the fish is too big for my hook. And there's a secret. Get the net. And sometimes getting the net means get another person with a net. And you just hang on. You just hang on and pray. Don't let him get away. That's an eight-pounder. I will eat that one. Don't think of that as people. But anyway, <laughs> when you're catching fish, you get this real determination. Or you just want a picture. You just want to show somebody you 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 got that. God put in us his nature to win people. Nobody comes into the kingdom to be sacrificed for other people. Jesus did that. He came into this world as a fish out of his element to win us into his element. We have to think the same way when we're working with people. Why am I sharing this? Because it's it's a big part of what a church is supposed to do. It should be a preoccupation. Now, there's a third way Jesus taught, and I want to share this. And we're on. We're, we're we're doing good for time. I know you're thinking, is that storm coming in yet? We're in Illinois. I liked the weather forecast. You know, <laughs> you know what you're going to get. <laughs> As the truth, and it fits the day. It's a third kind of fishing. That's actually my favorite kind. Catching the one that got away. You ever heard any? Any old fishermen tell you stories about the one that got away? They're still growing. You know, they're the big fish. But uh, last summer, Greg called me out of the blue one. One, I believe, it was a Saturday afternoon. Dad, come on. Can you go fishing with me just like for an hour? Where are we going to go for an hour? You know, he said, well, there's, you know, this. he told me this little pond on a company property. I was, it's was like a postage stamp-sized little pond. He said, Dad, it's spring-fed. There's actually big fish in there. It's, I don't know if it's a tenth of an acre or smaller than that. It's just really small. We said, we got to go. And he said, I'll bring everything. You just show up and, you know, take a fishing pole or two or three. He likes to have two or three all at the same time. And I said, Okay, we'll, we'll do this. So off we went, you know. I think it's three miles, two or three miles from the house. This little bitty pond, and I looked at the little bitty pond, and I thought, okay, this is going to be bluegill three inches long is what this is going to be. So that's what's in my thinking, and he pulls out of his tackle box these these giant nine- or ten-inch-long worms with hooks here and there, and I'm thinking, you know what? What's going to be that big in that little hole in the ground? What's going to be? And I began to dummy down the bait situation in my mind. I think, well, I at least want to catch something because there's nothing worse for me than not catching anything and calling it fishing. So I'm going to catch something. He said, Dad, just trust me. So I, I threw the first cast out. He's on one side of the water, and I'm on the other side. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to catch the first one. I'm going to catch the first one. I'm going to catch the first one. And we both had the same kind of worms. I thought, OK, there's got to be a technique to this worm. So I'm, the first cast was just let me see how to shake the pole to make that worm look interesting to a fish. If I was a fish I would not bite on a plastic worm with shiny hooks sticking out of it it's not going <laughs> to happen. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, how do I how do I trick the fish into thinking this is really a a great meal on a hot summer day. In the middle of the hot summer afternoon when fish aren't even they're not even hungry yet and it dawned on me, oh, there's a spring, and I know about where the spring is. You could tell by how the water was kind of moving. I thought, if I was a big fish in the middle of the day, I'd be going from the east side of the pond through the spring to the west side of the pond where the the trees are hanging over the water. I thought, that's what I would do if I was one of the big old smart fish, because he'd been in the water for a while. And, uh, I, I, I pulled that worm in knowing there's not going to be a fish on it. And just pulling the worm in. And I saw some little fish looking at it like, oh, it's bigger than we are. We can't bite that. And that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. So I'm thinking to myself, I either change my bait or I work to make this interesting. So I figured out how to make the worm dance in the water. You know, as if I'm some great fisherman. I'm not. Well, let's make it interesting. And I, I thought strategically, where would I be if I was that big fish? And I, I cast over in that direction, and within three seconds, hooked old Grandpa Bass. Now, that was just the Holy Spirit moving, so I'd have an illustration for today. <laughs> I know what that was, because it, is, it, it isn't that I'm some expert. But it, it got my son so animated, he got, so, he got sort of upset about it. He said, you've got old, and I think he called him Granddaddy Bass. He had a name, and he can't remember the name, but I remember he knew it was going to be that particular fish because there's, there's like only one of those in that pond probably. And he's been caught by any number of anglers before me. And I remember the little fishing pole bending and zzz, making all the kind of sound like you were in the ocean with a whale on the other end. But I, I, and, and I got him to where I could tell he was big and couldn't bring him out, and he wasn't a turtle because he's moving really fast. I was a big old mud turtle at first. It wasn't that. It was Granddaddy Bass. I never got to see him that day. He still waits for me. All I want to do is get him airborne so I can say to him, and I caught you too, look him in the eye and throw him back in. There's moments... God gives us in life that we're not to give up on and it'll be the one that got away. People can't help but want to get away when they see that you're suggesting a kind of life that is foreign to them. What do you mean do life without this and this and this in it? Are you crazy? Spit out that hook. Get that out of my mouth. But when you can reveal the goodness of God instead of focusing on the sacrifice, See, sometimes we go about it wrong. We try to bring in the atmosphere of new life, everything that Jesus died for, and say, you've got to do all these 25 things right. No, you, you, you bait with the goodness of God. Scripture says that's what leads men to salvation. But there are people in your life, and we're going to pray this way strategically today because the Holy Spirit said to. There's people in your life that you let get away They had more to do with it than you did in getting away. Why I'd have prevented that guy from getting away if I was trying everything. I was thinking, where's the net? I'm going to need the net. And just all of a sudden, the line went limp. I cast my bait everywhere, another 35 or 40 minutes everywhere, thinking I want granddaddy bass. Caught a bunch of other little ones. Smaller bass, one pound, two pound, three pound ones, but not that. I don't know if he's, Greg told me how big he was. I want to say he's over 10 pounds. It's a big fish for a little bitty pond. When you strategically have a passion to get the one that got away, you release your faith to get him. I look at what's attached to this story. In Matthew 18, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What? That means Jesus had him on the line before. How do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray that he doesn't go and seek the one that's gone astray? Jesus uses sheep here as an illustration, but it's a fishing story too. Even so it is, isn't it the will of your Father which is in heaven that none should perish? So we discern what it takes to catch a person and bring them into the kingdom. Now, Jesus then said in verse 18, he, he, he told us something that I hear taught out of context so much. Just bind and loose anything you want and it'll happen for you. No, it's got to be connected to the will of God. Everything you're going to get from God's connected to his will and putting his kingdom first, just so you know. Now. Verily, this is Jesus still talking in verse 18, whatever you'll bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Well, I've heard people teach that every kind of way, but what's he talking about here? Getting the one that got away. That's context. So what should be our preoccupation in binding and loosing? Getting the one that got away. So what am I going to do when I go back out there one fine summer day with Greg, with a camera? I'm going to bind up and I'm going to loose and I'm going to catch Say really, Pastor, we'll film it for you. <laughs> Why? Because uh, I believe the word is true. I learned that from an old fisherman called Charles Caps. He's gone into heaven now, but he used faith for fishing, and he caught more fish than anybody on the lake every time he did it. Say, so how do you know? I, I was once with a friend of mine who went with him, and he said hey, he he does it every time, and he outfishes everybody. He just laughs and says, "My faith is at work. You boys just keep trying." No. Whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Why'd that work for old Charles Caps with fish? Why well, he did it with men. That's why he understood a principle. Jesus then said, Again, I say unto you, in other words, Jesus is really pointing out something here about our faith and what it's for. About binding and loosing, what, 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 what that's for. That if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus is talking about asking for the one that got away. Jesus is talking about obeying him and the technique Jesus is talking about winning people to the kingdom. I want to tell you how to get your problems in right order is begin winning people into the kingdom. Become a part of whatever the church is doing to, to cast nets. You might repair the net. You might throw the net. You might pull in the net. You might stand by, stand guard over the net. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to be a part of whatever the corporate effort is. There's going to be the, the, the second kind of thing in going after particular people. I remember many times where I would hear somebody talking about another person. And it's always happened this way with me. It's the same kind of situation where the Holy Spirit tells me, go there and get that person, go there and win that person, go there and share with that person. He never just says, go there and share. He puts me on an assignment to catch them. So when I talk about catching a particular fish, we catch people the same way. You have people like that in your life. Many times, they get away the first time and say, God, send a laborer across their path. You want somebody else to catch your fish? I mean, that, that's how I, I remember I started reeling it in. I heard how many other people caught that fish, and Greg said, now that's my fish. I said, it says who? He's on my line. And he got away, he said, I'm going to get my fish. He'd done it before. Now... You decide your disposition. Jesus, Scripture tells us, we ask for people as we would ask for an inheritance. That means God has in mind people that belong to your fishing pole. People that belong to your catch in this earth. When they get away, we don't stop there. So this year we're praying, as I get ready to close this, I'm praying, God, help us be Jesus' disciples and want the same things that he wants. I had not been very inspired to fish that summer. Greg had asked me, I don't know, he probably asked me 10 times, Dad, what are you doing? Laying on the couch. Want to go fishing? No, I want to lay on the couch. (laughs) Or whatever, whatever it was. Why? It was not an opportune time. You know... uh, when the fish are biting isn't an opportune time to lay on the couch. We're in a, a season in the earth where Jesus' soon coming returns at hand. We want to know what time it is on his calendar. He says it's time to go fishing. I want to tell you something that will work in your heart. Once you Once you go out and you have an experience like I'm talking about, even if and especially when one seems to get away, You'll have a determination. If you're made like Jesus and you are, you'll think, I don't want to get that one. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get them. Why, Holy Spirit, what do I do? You say, how silly. Jesus used fishing. So I'm using fishing. Why? He's trying to explain to us what it's like. And you're not going to catch any fish by taking your hook and, and, and talking repentance first. Talk about the goodness of God, why that leads to repentance. The goodness of God. Everybody here knows about that. The goodness of God. Experiencing the goodness of God. Experiencing what it means to be loved by him. Experiencing what it means to know we're going to heaven. Experience what it means to know he wants to take my life and turn it into something more. Because he loves me and he wants me to experience a more abundant life. You want a, a, a great bait, I'll tell you, good universal bait, John 10, 9 and 10. Talk about what Jesus came to do and what the devil came to do, and people want to jump out of the water that they're in and get into the air you breathe. Why? Because we have a misunderstanding of who God is out there. Heavenly Father, thank you for a church that's vibrant and alive. Father, this morning I thank you that we both will and desire to do what is your good pleasure. Father, I thank you as unusual as as a message seems to be to win people like we would catch fish. Jesus, you told us to, you commanded us to, and your church sets in place so that we're equipped to do so. So, Father, I thank you that every person here is going to choose to be a part of that somehow. Father, those that don't want one-on-one just yet are going to become part of casting the net. Father, I thank you that you reveal to us through willingness what it is we can choose to step out and do. Father, I'm not in this alone. You put us together for your purpose. And the more that come together to cast the net, the greater it will be. Father, I thank you that this can be a year we expand our efforts in outreach. Not just to show people love, but to bring them into the kingdom. Not just to to have a hit on the line. But to set some hooks in, Father, to bring people right into your kingdom would be the best thing that can happen to anybody that we go after and pursue with the goodness of God. Father, I thank you for your anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage that would try to hinder and stop us. Father, I thank you that we have the mind of Christ. We're not limited by our own thinking or our experience. We're not limited by our backwardness and personality that we can't talk to people. You've proven that again and again by choosing those same people in the scripture to go out and be broadcasters, preachers of the gospel. So, Father, we submit to you and we thank you that you cause all things. If we do Matthew six thirty three and seek first the kingdom, you'll cause all of the things to come in and fall in place as we come forward into your kingdom. Everything that we desire and need lines up behind us, just like getting all the ducks in order. Father, help us choose that right order by choosing priority in your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. tell you a couple things to come. We're going to have a Sunday real soon around the corner, sometime yet this month going to be at least three key testimonies. One of them's already called in and the one that that called there sent an email to me. They didn't know I had this in my heart, but I've been saying for a while, I want to give a piece during the vision series about the power of our testimony and what it does. So if that fits you and you, you have an idea, there's something you need to share that gives God glory. I want to hear about that. Easiest way, shoot me an email, or you can call the church office and say, I want to talk to the pastor about that, because I, I want to put together a collection of at least three. Why? Well, it'll stir up hope and faith in you, and understand that as we're being equipped, God does a work in us. He fixes whatever needs fixing, he helps us with whatever we need help with, and things begin to fall in place more and more. I want to tell you that because if I don't hear from a couple more, I'm just going to call a few. Why? Your secret's out. Some of you, I know your testimony already. But a lot of you, I don't. And you know what? I'd love to hear from people that I don't know. Some I would. Wouldn't you like that? Yes. Look around. Look at your neighbor. Say, tag, you're it. Yes. See, you may not know. You may think, I'm not ready for that. Well, get yourself ready. We overcome, Revelation 3 says, we overcome by the power of the blood, that's Jesus' part, and the word of our testimony. You know how you get a word of testimony? You say, God, I'm believing you're going to do this in my life. Then when he brings it to pass, we go, I got a testimony. That's all that is. It doesn't have to be sensational. Sometimes they are. It just has to be something that made a difference for you. Well, before you go, I want to tell you this. God's blessed your family for 2020. When we put, put God's family in order, he puts our family in order. So things like today are to help establish family order in the house. When we do that and choose that family order from God's family flows into our house. So when, when you choose to be a soul winner, watch God put your life in order. Why He will empower the one that chooses to be obedient to the one thing he's asking for a willingness in, the willing and obedient leave the good of
0: the land. We pray that today you were challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website, at go to lwc.org and as always we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m and now may the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace